Welcome to Fire Your Therapist, a podcast with a radical perspective on mental health. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Dan. Welcome to Fire Your Therapist. On today's episode, we are going to talk about Dan's self. Why don't you go talk about yourself? I would, but we have a panel member today. Oh, so we're going to talk about herself? Their selves? Their selves. All of ourselves. Excellent. Uh, today we have Brandis with us. Hello, Brandis. Hi. <laughs> we usually start the show with a check-in, so why don't we transparently check in? I will check in with that we are excited to have you. We've been trying to coerce her into being on the show for quite some time because she has some great answers to some of our questions, and uh, it's great to have another voice here. So... That's my check-in. Dan, do you have anything to check in with? I'm also excited to have uh, Brandis as a guest on the show. I think we've had lots of fun conversations with her behind the scenes, and it's nice to have one on the air. Okay, so how do we introduce the check-in? Brandis, what do you know about check-ins? Nothing. <laughs> Does that mean you didn't listen to our episode about check-ins? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> don't, don't get me on here to call me out, Dan. Oh. So we check-in. So that we know how each other is feeling or if there's anything that would um, interfere with us being fully engaged today. Okay, got it. Is, so, there, is there anything going on for you that you'd want us to be aware of so that we know like where you're at right now? Uh, no. <laughs> A full answer. Is there anything uh, coming up for you realizing that you are on air? Uh, no, I'm fine with being on air. I just don't have a check-in. That was easy. Okay. Oh, Dan, what are we talking about? Check, check, check. So today we're going to talk about, if the intro didn't make it obvious, uh, the idea of self and what the self is and where it is and where it comes from and where it goes and how that leads to identity and personality and stuff like that. Uh, is it okay if we interview you? Sure. <laughs> That's why we brought you. Get ready. Really bamboozled right now. Get ready. You are being bamboozled, and Dan's going to ask you lots of invasive questions, and you have to answer honestly and never lie. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Should we make like eye contact during yeah. this entire thing? So you can't see on a podcast that what we're doing to Brandis right now is uh, the only light in the room is shining on her, and uh, we're going to ask her a lot of questions. But not to put you on the spot, but just because Carrie and I will give. Uh, if we ask each other these questions, we'll give the answers that we have from our training, but you would give an answer of a totally different perspective. Got it. So uh, what is, from your understanding, the self? Have you ever heard that term before? Um, no, I've never heard the term. Well, maybe I have, not in a very you know, professional therapist sense, but I think people talk about it all the time. Um, what is the self and in, in what way are you referring it to? Well, where have you heard people use that word? At work. You know, you go out and, and or you're around people and they're talking about um, who they are, what they feel, what mm -hmm. they think. Mm -hmm. So I just equate that to. So when they use that word self, what are they referring to? Um, I think you refer to your personality and, and what you like and what you don't like and the kind of things you engage in, your conversation, the people you hang around, all make up who you are. Okay. 
and that kind of goes with you. It's like a, it's a part of a person or where is it? Um, I don't know if it goes with you everywhere. I mean, sometimes you, uh, you are different, a different person around different people. So you're not always yourself. So like the, the idea of you being yourself everywhere you are, I don't think it's true for a lot of people. Not being yourself everywhere you go. So sometimes you go places and you can't be yourself. Does that mean you no longer have it or how does that work? Um, no, you do have it. Maybe you don't have access to it or maybe you don't want to show it. Don't want to show it, but it's still in you somewhere. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. In its entirety. In its entirety. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Um, so there are some more traditional views in psychology of the self that it is, um, not set in stone, but a lot of it is set up like in childhood and it sort of already exists before you become an adult in many ways. And that society sort of packs layers on top of it as you go through experiences, but down deep underneath that there's like a core self that's the most true of who you are. What do you think of that idea? That there's a real you? Yeah. Down underneath all these layers of like social fakeness that's been piled on top of it. I think it depends because social fakeness um, can create a false you that, you know, you, you think that's who you are. So you have no idea but who the real you is. But maybe the false you is you because you think that it is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like what you just said because you, you kind of said false you and implied a true you. But then you pointed out that. They might both be you, and in which case the fact that we have this whole discourse that people talk about false self, true self, is kind of silly. They might both be you. I think the uh, unconscious false self is true, but the conscious false self is false. The conscious false self. So the sort of intentional manipulative false self. Yes. Like trying to not be you to be somebody else. Yeah. Right. All right. I mean, that's... Can I ask, uh, where have you seen that? Um, everywhere. <laughs> do you have any specific examples without like divulging people's identities? Um, I mean, you see, I see it. I've seen it at work. I've seen it. Um, you know, when you meet someone at a party and maybe you don't know everyone there, and maybe you got an inside track on on who someone is based on stories from someone who knew them well, uh, and then you meet that person and they're nothing like that. So you know, you can kind of think that, like, are they putting on right now? Is this who they really are? Was the person lying about them? Like, what's up? But that one of those is true and one is fake. I don't know because I don't I don't know if they're yeah. being fake or if they're being true, but I don't know them well enough to make that, that judgment. But it's an important social value that we get to people's true self. That there's something morally good and bad. Like there is it's bad if you hear something about somebody that you've sort of stored in your mind as true and then when you meet them they say something that seems like the opposite. They're being false and that's that's bad. They should be I mean, that, that's that's self. like a weird scenario. It, if I meet someone who's being false, but I'm not invested in who that person is, I don't think I care at the moment. So if I meet you for the first time and maybe I've gotten an idea of who you are uh, from someone else and then you come in and you meet me and you're like, hey, you know, how are you? And I'm like, well, I know this person is actually really like depressed all the time and they're really sad, but I'm not invested in like right. navigating that. So I just take whoever you give me because we probably won't have a conversation you know, in any depth and any, you know, time soon. Right. Right. Yeah. I just think it's, I know, I think Carrie wants to jump in and say something, but I think well, it's just, really interesting <laughs> how we do have this cultural notion that we not only can, but should 
judge people for like, are they being their true self or not? Well, I mean, it's a really frustrating experience. I can relate to that, especially in the workplace when you hang out with a coworker after work and uh, you get to know a little bit more about them and then you see them at work again. And uh, maybe you're around other people they haven't shared a lot of uh, their interests or, you know, secrets or whatever with. And so because you're in this place with others that they haven't invested in, then they become false. I'm using that word loosely, but around you when you've already seen a little bit more of the other parts of them. They go that they go back and hide those gotcha. other parts. And it seems conscious. Uh, okay. Well, I'd like to bookmark that for a moment. Uh, and I would like that bookmark to read. Um, why do we get to judge the form of somebody that has to come out in different contexts? That's my that's my bookmark for that point. But if it's okay, let's... We're coming back to it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it's okay, let's talk a little bit about um, how we construct our notion of identity. Because the self, that word has such a, uh, a tie to the true self, false self, like be yourself, don't be yourself. Uh, that I want to kind of skip past that just for a second, not literally a second, a few minutes, uh, and talk about identity. So rather than trying to describe this core psychological self, um, and I don't need to just grill you, Brandis. We can, we can, it's all, fine. We, it's can fine, we can all talk about this actually. Um, what Thanks are for the invitation? Yeah. <laughs> I like to be inclusive. <laughs> okay. Um, what are some features of who we are? Um, I mean, it's what we said before. It's your personality i think is a no, big you, part of it but you specifically so like for me like i'm a brother uh i'm a, a son i'm a, a student i'm um a driver i'm a a, a beer drinker um, that's how you define yourself i'm just i'm just thinking the first thing that's come to mind of like who am i i mean i'm just trying to think of features of if i asked you to tell tell me about yourself what would you say yeah i've never been able to answer that question well give it a shot <laughs> Um, I would like to um, get a different person for the panel. <laughs> this one doesn't have any uh, answers. <laughs> can I can I get another? Maybe, maybe we didn't make it clear to her that she she can only come on the show if she has answers. Oh, oh. Wait, can she hear me? Yeah, she can hear. Oh. She can hear. And let's try again. So tell us about yourself. <laughs> I'm just teasing. No, I'm serious. I've never been able to answer that question. So let's try. Okay. Pretend pretend that you're a person that can answer that question. What would you Give say? Her a scenario. I did. <laughs> um, I am. Um, I have no idea. Who do other people think you are? That's a good one. People think that I am um, very assertive. Um, most people think I'm pretty funny. <laughs> Carrie thinks I'm funny. Um, people think I'm. I'm. I'm pretty open and caring uh selfless um temperamental it, i mean it's like this is like just adjectives like do you think you are those things or do you just think people think you are those things to some degree yeah okay so to what degree you think i am those things is like based on your perspective and experience so it may not be sure you know but but those feel congruent to you um I don't know if they feel congruent. You don't think you're funny. I'm just telling you think. No, I am very funny. Okay. Okay. So yes. So uh, that one. Are you assertive? <laughs> uh, yes. Are you open? Uh, sometimes. Are you caring? All the time. Are you selfless? Most of the time. 
are you temperamental? Mm, yes. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about yourself uh, and who you are? No, I mean, that covers it. That covers it? <laughs> Probably not, but I mean, uh, I don't know. It's like, so... Um, so if I knew 10 people, and, and I don't have that many friends, but if I knew 10 people, uh, and you were inside my head trying to discern who was who amongst my 10 friends, how would I know which one is you? How? The one with the big hair? I mean... <laughs> okay, big hair. I don't know. I mean, it's it's like... Uh, so the reason why... Let's, 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 let's like talk about this instead. The reason why I have a hard time answering this question is because... Um, I don't spend a lot of time or or actually I'm just kind of getting on board with being like really introspective and thinking about myself as a person that other people see in a kind of weird way. So uh, I haven't spent a lot of time uh, analyzing who I think I am. Uh, but I have spent a lot of time thinking about uh, what people's uh, perception or what their opinion of me is or how they perceive me or how they interact with me hmm. um, and, and that feedback and then thinking about whether it's true or not. Hmm. Does it need to be true or not? Um, it depends on who the person is. If, if I'm invested in you and, and there's something about me that either you love or you, you know, dislike, then, you know, I have, um, I have an investment to, to look at myself and, and think about how I affect you. Um, if you're just an acquaintance then I, you know, doesn't really hold that much weight. Gotcha. So it's not less about true or false and more about, uh, does their perspective matter to you? That sounds really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So what you're saying is that you care what I think and not what Dan thinks. I care what both of you think. <laughs> okay. Good save. You must be one of his 10 friends. <laughs> I am three of his 10 friends. <laughs> <laughs> I had to double count or triple count a few people there to get to 10. <laughs> um wait we, we we just had an episode on alter egos how many people am i <laughs> <laughs> three five <laughs> uh-oh all right all right um do you want to add something to that conversation carrie was there any thoughts listening to that about who you are or who we are or this notion of identity or self um i don't know if i would add about who i am i think i struggle with the same thing that brenda struggles with is how do you describe yourself because depending on where i am i would say something different so if i'm at work i'm going to probably read my resume if i'm talking to someone at a party i usually am a little bit more transparent and i go oh i hate this question (laughs) don't ask me what i do don't ask me who i am i'll just why don't we just talk about something that's interesting right now but the only other part that i would add in is that Um, So I can relate to that part. And then I'm also struck by all of the things that I thought Brandis would say about who she is that she didn't speak about. Such as? Uh, Jobs. Um, I I guess I just assumed that you would say something about like, you're talking about yourself that you would name one of the jobs you do. I have a really big bias about that though. That's why I didn't say it. Oh, what bias? Uh, That when people meet you, the first thing they say is, what do you do? Like that defines you. But I don't think it defines who you are. I think it's just what you do. Okay. Yeah. So, but I, I thought that maybe you did. You I don't. don't. I That's don't. interesting. I do not. Interesting. Great. Uh, yeah. So I thought you would talk about maybe, a, you know, your career because, you know, it's been something you, you've done for 12 plus years. And then uh, I thought maybe you would name other things like roles that you play in other people's lives. Like 
sister or daughter, things like what Dan had described. And I also thought that you would say some physical characteristics, which a lot of people define themselves as because other people definitely see you first, like by your outer appearance, especially if you haven't spoken with them, like from a picture, we make assumptions about who someone is. I was struck by the fact that you named all um, attributes of your personality. I'm glad I put such a thorough bookmark on that other concept a minute ago because, Carrie, what you just said was depending on which situation you're in, you will describe yourself differently. If you're at work, you might bring out a resume-like explanation of who you are. If you're in a different context, a different side, you would come out. Isn't that the same thing as the person that you would meet at work and then you hang out with them, you go back to work and then they act fake because they're back at work. Isn't that really the same thing? Um, are they the same person? Is that what you're asking? Aren't they doing the same thing? They're bringing forward the parts of their identity yeah. that seem congruent for that context. Yeah. But just a moment ago, the way we were all talking about it, it seemed like there was this sort of negative connotation that if you, yeah. if you, if you, if you act that way at work after you already know me, you're now, bad you're now well the negative connotation for me is that it's frustrating having seen a side of someone that feels a little bit deeper or more important and i say more important because i really value um people being at ease and when i can notice that they don't seem at ease or they're putting on um an act in a certain way I don't even, I'm not even thinking of a scenario. I'm not even thinking of a scenario where someone allows a different part of themselves to surface. I'm, I'm talking about specifically in a work atmosphere where they are speaking almost from a script and it's not even their words. It's what their employer has given them to say, Mm -hmm. just as an example. Um, Sounds like the same thing as the resume idea. It sounds like it's the script that is yeah. the most strategic in that context. But w- the frustrating experience is when I know it's not their script. Someone else, you know, asked them but, to be that person <laughs> or to show up right. in that way. And um, especially when I know other parts of them are so relatable and that there's something that happens in the professional world where we become, we all try to become the same thing, whatever is valued in that atmosphere. And it's just frustrating. So the negative context for me is is the frustration that I feel when I I feel um, was the word separated from like deprived of it. Yeah, deprived of a deeper part of right. that person. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, I was gonna say uh, what it sounds to me is like you're um, you have feelings about a like a cultural thing because people are are groomed or trained to act a certain way at work. So um, there's no there's no support for them to to be who they are when you're out, you know, at a bar or, you know, just kind of hanging out after work um, because we've been taught it's not professional or it's not allowed. Exactly. And I have a lot of empathy for people that um, are acting in a specific way because they know that there's only one sort of safe way to do that at work. Uh, so I feel for them. But I guess the frustrating part is, oh, th- I'm in that culture right now where people have to really perform and um, I really value a culture where you don't have to do that. And I've had jobs where you don't need to perform anything and you right. just show up as you are, whatever that might be, even if you're um, seemingly counterproductive to whatever that culture is trying to do. Right. And yet you're valued anyway. 
no matter how you show up. And I've been a part of that. So it's like, right. how can you well, go so to another here's, culture? Here's, you know, and I, I don't hide my politics about this. Here's um, the sort of social intervention that I try to have for myself and try to have for anybody I train and try to have for anybody who's a friend in my life that I just try to carry constantly. Um, if, cause I agree with you, it's a, a cultural construct that forces us to do that performance. I'm not going to say if it's true or false self or whatever, but like you were saying, how hey, you have to show up at work or at a bar or whatever. Um, I try to be very aware of if I'm transferring the blame of that performance having to happen onto the person rather than the social context. Because all of this language around like, well, no, 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 you're not being yourself right now. We have, we've created this implicit language that transfers the blame for that onto the person, even though as we're talking about it, we all seem to uh, maybe not explicitly agree, but are pointing to social uh, limits around who you can be in what situation. But I just think it's funny that the colloquialisms for it, the like be yourself kind of colloquialism puts the blame back on the person. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I had a thought, but I lost it. Well, maybe we'll find it. <laughs> Brandis, were you about to say something? Um, I had a thought, but I lost it. <laughs> uh, so aside from that sort of social intervention call to action, the other thing that I think might be interesting to chat about for a moment is all of these features of self and identity and whatever that we just talked about, um, the physical characteristics, the jobs, the roles, the assertive, funny, open, caring, selfless, uh, temperamental, introspective, um, and what did I say? Beer drinking, brother, son, I'm sure I said other things, but I can't remember what. Driver. Um, driver, right. Can we think of any features like that, features of people's self or identity that aren't contextual? that aren't in relation to something, right? So you can't have physical characteristics that are notable unless they're in comparison to other physical characteristics, something that's different, right? You can't be assertive unless there's the opposite of assertive. You can't be open unless there's closed, right? right? So I'm kind of um, pretty openly making a case that how we define self and identity is relational. It is always in relation to, which is, I think you'd agree. I'm not, I'm not saying this to convince you of something new because even at the very beginning of this podcast, you said um, you come out differently in different situations. It depends on the relationship with the people. It depends if you're at work or at home. Um, so the only real big implication of this is that I sort of don't believe that there's this core self that's always there and always with you. It's just expressed or not expressed because even the pieces of that self that we think is core are from relationships. They just might not be the ones in the room right now, but they're from some relational experience. So you're saying you're like you're the sum of your experiences? And you're the sum of your context. I wouldn't say just experiences because the <clears throat> whole nature versus nurture thing I think is silly. I think both are the same thing. We're, we're a fully integrated embodiment of both our biological context and our experiential context. I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that the only way to know yourself is to experience something that's not yourself. Um, otherwise, if, if, I mean, if everyone was the same, then no, 
you know, judgments or conclusions would be made about anything because there would be no opposite. There would be no, no friction to say that what you're doing is different from someone else. That being said, um, if you meet your, you know, your opposite or you meet people who are like you, I think that you do carry your core self with you because if you didn't know what, if you didn't know who you were, at some level, whether it's at, at the core of who you are or based on something you learned in the past, um, if you had no um, idea of what that was or if you didn't carry it with you, then how would you access it? Sure. Okay, so then where did it come from? I think that... Um, Oh, this is getting deep, but I, th- <laughs> I think that I think that when you're when you are born, you are born with a certain set of um, things that are are kind of born and bred into who you are, um, whether it's, you know, people say, you know, you come out and oh, you smile like your father or you or you say these things like your your aunt or your uncle or, you know, a member of your family. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything in you to create that when you're, you know, in, in like an infant stage. Like some people will say. You know, oh, they they make that face just like so and so. As you grow older, you you begin to you know be taught into kind of molded into who you become later. But I think at the core, there is a core self there. Um, and you know, the more experience you you have, which I do agree with you, like your context does you know heavily influence who you become as you grow up and you become an adult. Um, but I think that at some level, wh- whether it's minuscule, whether it's you know insignificant or you know, however you want to see it, I think there is a core self. You know what you said uh, really brought up this idea for me that I believe for a very long time. I don't know if I've ever really had a full conversation with you, Dan, about this, but I work with kids day in and day out um, of various ages, but I work in an educational setting where kids are being taught things all the time, and then they have these really... Uh, predominant role models of adults around them, like many adults around them all the time, teaching them, you know, curriculum, but also, you know, morals and values and stuff like that. And something I've noticed about really young children is that they they all have various needs, right? But their needs are completely spontaneous, at least from birth. So I'm hungry, wah, I need to be changed, wah. Mm-hmm. And they spontaneously put these needs out, into the world and then they might later have an experience as they're growing up where you know in my educational setting so a kid has a need and then the adult um, either can meet the need or not meet the need and so they start to teach a child how to ask for their needs to be met in Mm -hmm. a pro in in what they're calling appropriate ways right so some strategies end up rewarded others don't Uh uh-huh and then the kids are also having other experiences where they ask and ask and ask and either the need isn't met or it's met in a way that's not satisfactory and so then they start to decide you know weighing pros and cons of whether or not they'll ever ask again or whether or not they'll even have the need or whether or not they think the need is appropriate or they'll label the need as good or bad or indifferent. Um, they'll notice the needs of other people. They'll react to that. And so then we start to be molded into um, all of these things. And what I've noticed over time is that the spontaneous needs get stifled like immediately um, because a lot of adults don't honor the needs of children because they have their own experiences, their own Uh, ways of coping or reacting to needs of other people Mm -hmm. but children have such little power in the world that they're they're easily stifled right 
So I, I wonder about uh, the experiences that people have had with educators or just people that have a more authority or power over them from very young ages and how that's impacting uh, who they decide that they are. You know, and we think about things like repression or um, needs that are not expressed, but they seem present. Right. Um, so anyway, that's just kind of what came up for me as Brent was talking about, uh, you know, oh, you smile like so-and-so or, right. you know. Well, I think there's definitely, um, for me, there's like two parts to this. And it could be the two parts that both of you are, are naming. But uh, there's definitely a part that I'll acknowledge about the sort of childhood that you're, you're mentioning where um, whether it's good because it teaches us regulation or whether it's bad because it's oppressive uh, or somewhere on that spectrum, um, there's definitely going to be oppressive structures that adults impose on kids to teach them how to fit in, to, you know, teach them strategies that, you know, given certain cultural expectations might work out better. I, I'm, I'm not an expert on child development, but I, I get what you're saying. Um, but the flip side of that is that I no longer separate biological context from context, right? So we're all going to be born with predispositions for things, right? Certain like energy regulation, certain temperaments, certain, um, you know, all sorts of factors. And I think uh, that our contexts in so many ways shape how those get expressed so that the same biological predisposition that could lead somebody to being um, very frustrated and angry and violent the same predisposition with the right context and nurturing, they could be a superstar athlete. I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like places that certain levels of energy could go, right? Or someone that could end up being like ADD and very frustrated through most of their life could also turn out to be someone who's like a musical genius if they had the right context to express that, whatever their attention process That's is. just like molding and suppression of who they really are. But which is the really are? What if it's the same predisposition, right? Because we, we all come into the world mammals. We're all just animals, but all of these social contexts, because we're social creatures, right? So a big chunk of, of our development is, is the social layer to that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's silly to try to tease them apart because the same biological predispositions could get expressed probably in very many different ways, right? So trying to pretend like there's like a core who we are when we're born biologically versus who we are later in life seems weird to me like i think they're all true then right that's what i'm saying okay yeah then, yeah then we agree yeah the part about the nature um being born with like let's say a certain temperament i think you know you can go through one situation and if you have a different set of resiliency or a different set of coping factors or however it is that you're responding to the situation then you put another person in the same situation right and they have a different uh resiliency level and all of those things mm -hmm. um i think it's it kind of puts a point on what you're saying is that they're the same thing. So yeah, you went through the same experience, like siblings you think of having different personalities, different temperaments, different right. predispositions. And right. then they go through a similar experience together and they react so differently. Right. And that's how you can tell them apart. Right. right. Um, but, but it could also be that slightly different contexts would have led their slightly different predispositions to then have the same resilience or same act the same way or be the same person in more or less ways well yeah absolutely yeah. but they also um and i've heard this so many times and i've even thought it myself over you know different times in my life is you know i have siblings or 
someone else has siblings and they're like, well, we all went through the same thing and I don't get why they coped with it that way and I coped with it this way. Right. But I've heard you you say so many times about the work you do with kids Mm -hmm. that if you tweak the context to nurture what strengths those kids bring to every situation, they suddenly emerge and flourish in a way that they couldn't before they had that support. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you can never know what those things are. You have to do a little of experimentation with the features of the context, maybe. Yeah, and also yeah. knowing what supports are necessary for the child. I right. just read earlier this week, I thought it, this was amazing. It's a really short example, but I read about a teacher who uses this technique for um, differentiation. So she has a class of very young children, and she says, all right, I want all of the children to come up with a make-believe injury on your body somewhere. Don't tell me where it is. Okay, and then she asks one child to come up. She says, where's your inju- injury? And the first kid says, it's on my elbow. And she goes, okay. So she gets out a Band-Aid and she puts it on their like upper right arm. And the kid looks at her funny, like, it's not where my injury is. And then she asks the next child to come up. Where's your injury? It's on my knee. And she puts the Band-Aid in the same spot on the upper right arm. And now all the kids go through this thing where they go yeah. up and they're all giggling. And then finally, one of the kids goes, but that's not where I got hurt. You know, that's not where I need my Band-Aid. That's not where I need support. And so it teaches all these little kids. It teaches these kids so quickly that everybody needs something different. Yeah. And you're all coming in with something different. Right. And that's such a hard concept to teach children in a classroom where everybody's being graded on their performance and all of those things. Right. So um, I think the the punchline for me that I kind of want to circle back to Brandis and see... where we are now at the end of this conversation or nearing the end, if I were to ask you if you're sold on the idea that our self, our identity, who we are is relational. It is constructed through relationships, through moments of context, through how predispositions got nurtured or not nurtured, or are we at work? Are we at home? Who's around us? Um, and that there isn't really much of a core self that's like irrelevant of relationships or experiences. What would you say? I would agree with you. One more for the revolution. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. But I mean, if all of, if, if, if your experiences uh, in some way or another, your context makes up who you are um, and that gets ingrained in you and it becomes who you are, then it's at your core. Unless someone recognizes that they can support you in a different way. If, if you're, I don't know, I, I guess I just would say that like if someone thinks something's wrong with you. <laughs> Right. Well, so, and there's, there's, you know, as the, there's the rub that our language as a culture turns it back on the person because I could also just as easily say, uh, we've had to automate our strategies for social interaction because we were in contexts where that had to be done either to survive or because it worked better or because we didn't have any other strategies. Right. So what you're calling, it's your core self. I would call that's the strategy that was automated. Right. We can't walk into every situation as if we've never been there before. Right. We can't pretend that we don't know how doors work, that we don't know how conversations work, jobs work, cars work. Right. We have to automate a lot. Um, And so I would add that kind of language to avoid putting it back on the person of that's who they are. So it could mean that they need lots of experiences in a different context to reconstruct that automation. I'm just trying to tear open that little window into like, Maybe that shorthand summary of that's who they are now, uh, I just feel is a little dangerous because then it puts something that we all just agreed is contextual on the person. And I want to pull that back out and say, it is a lot of who they are for sure. 
but to then blame them, because it does become the language of somewhat blaming, seems problematic. Anyway, uh, do either of you have some uh, check out closing thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I think the only thing that I would say is is we ended on a very different conversation, um, which is uh, typically when I've had these types of discussions with other people, how, how it ends, it always goes back to like, well, what makes you you and what, what happened to you and, you know, what experiences did you have to, to make up who you are uh, when it starts out saying, um, you know, when you meet people, are they fake or are they not fake? Or, you know, are they true or are they not true? Or, you know, who's authentic and who's not? So, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm glad it went where it went because I think it got to the deeper issue at hand. I don't think I have anything to add to check out. Um, I think it would be nice to go into a deeper conversation of maybe in a future episode of, well, what kind of, if, if, if we're not talking about characteristics or how people are showing up now as who they are, but we're pointing back towards the context that they came from and the experiences that they've had. And that's making up sort of what we see, but maybe it's not their core. It makes me believe we should have some future episodes on, okay, when we think of um, someone who's narcissistic, like could we make some guesses of what their context might've been? Right. You know, because we've put the label of narcissist on them, but what, what ingredients do you need to make a narcissist and so on and so forth, borderline, you know, bipolar depression, like all the things that we think of. And, and uh, there's a lot of people out there that love their diagnosis, but um, I wonder how much empathy they have for the context that they came from. I know a lot of people point to it and say, Oh yeah, that impacted me. And that's why I am the way I am. But I think that you're saying it a little differently. Like, and that's why I show up the way I do. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you both for a great conversation. And thank you all of our listeners. No for check listening. out? For me? Yeah. Um, no, my check out was that uh, proposal to Brandis about the sort of reframed definition of... Uh, it's too soon. It's too she soon. doesn't know your core self yet. <sighs> well, you'll never know my core self because I don't have one. That's because you're so fake. I am fake. <laughs> I'm fake all the time. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Follow us on. Well, before you follow (laughs) us, check out our website at fireyourtherapistshow.com. You should go there first because Dan put up some awesome videos. There are some awesome videos on the website. Uh, But then follow us on Twitter at FYT Show and like us at Facebook, FYT Show. And if you want to send us an email, feedback at fireyourtherapistshow.com. And please tune into our next episode. I'd like to throw in at the end there that if anybody has anything awesome to say um, on any mental health topic and it feels radical, please hashtag FRT show and we'll include it in future episodes. Fire Your Therapist was produced by Yumi Media. Subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes or go to fireyourtherapistshow.com where you can find podcasts, resources, and more.